0: Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me to Colossians, the book of Colossians, the New Testament letter written to Christians in Colossae, and will be in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Not all clothes are created equal. Did you know that? Different types of clothes, different brands of clothes, different clothing labels send Different messages. In fact, this is the truth that has led some schools to adopt school uniforms. And as a child growing up and during my elementary years, I attended a school in which we had to wear a school uniform, and I remember despising having to wear a school uniform. And now, looking back, there's something freeing about not having to pick out what you're going to wear each day. Now, years later, as I accepted God's call to serve here as pastor at Meadowbrook, uh, I quickly realized that I could probably benefit from some new clothes. I needed to expand my wardrobe so that I would be appropriately dressed uh, for certain occasions. Now, what we wear does not define who we are. We know this. However, what we wear does say something about who we are. And when it comes to us as Christians, as followers of Christ, God desires that what we wear reflect uh, our faith in Him. That we ought to be appropriately dressed for the occasion of following Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are looking at me kind of funny. Don't don't misunderstand me here. I don't think God is too concerned with our physical attire, uh, but... Uh, what we wear does say something about our faith in Christ. I don't think He's too concerned about whether or not we're wearing a coat and tie or jeans and a polo. But, but God is concerned, according to His Word, with our spiritual attire. He's concerned with what we put on spiritually and how that reflects our faith in Him. In fact, as believers in Jesus, we are called to reflect Jesus in all that we do. Just like a reflector on a street, reflect reflects a car's headlights as they approach. Our lives as followers of Jesus, as those who have been saved by the grace of God, ought to reflect the light of the world who is in our lives. In fact, God transforms His people to reflect Jesus in all things. When we trust in Christ for salvation, when we go from death to life, when we receive forgiveness from our sins, and we're reconciled to God through Christ, God begins a transformative work in our lives. He begins to transform us to be more and more like Him in order to reflect Him in all things. This is the truth that we see from God's Word this morning in Colossians chapter 3. So let me invite you to look at God's Word with me. In Colossians chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, God's word reads this way. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Church, God's beloved people are called to imitate his loving character. According to the word of God, according to Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14, God's beloved people, his people, those whom he loves as his own, are called to imitate who he is. Called to imitate his loving character in the world. Just two weeks ago, we looked at the section of Scripture, the verses that immediately preceded this section of Scripture in God's Word in Colossians chapter 3. And there is a distinct contrast, a marked contrast between what is presented there and what is presented in this section of God's Word. So glance back up with me just for a moment to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Verse 5 reads this way Put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And now we get down to verse 12, and we're instructed to clothe ourselves with these other things compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. In other words, when we come to faith in Christ, there is something significant that takes place in our lives. We turn away from an old way of living, an old self. An, an old lifestyle, and we embrace a new way of living. A new life that's different from our previous life. And it's important that we understand, as followers of Christ, when and how and why this takes place. Because there is a vast misconception in the world about why we as Christians do what we do. Did you know that? That Most non-Christians think that we do what we do, that we turn away from an old way of living and embrace a new life in Christ in order to earn God's approval. In order to earn His favor, that He might look upon us favorably and thereby reward us for being faithful to Him. But according to the Bible, according to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, nothing really could be further from the truth. Rather, we don't... We don't do what we do to earn God's approval. We, we do what we do because God has already given us a new identity. He's already showered His approval on us through Jesus Christ. In other words, our actions don't determine our identity before God. Our actions don't determine our status before God because... God has looked upon us with mercy and grace. He's not looked upon us as we deserve. And now as the recipients of that grace, the recipients of God's compassion, recipients of His forgiveness and mercy, we begin to to live in light of who we are. Our identity then before God, our status before God, as sons and daughters of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who have gone from death to life, determines how we live and how we walk and how we act in this world. So who are we? Who are we as people, as followers of Christ? Who are we as the church? And we must turn to the Scriptures. We must turn to the Word of God and allow God to tell us who we are. As people of faith, we must search God's Word for our new identity. Search God's Word for your new identity. Let God tell you, let God tell us who it is that we are as His people and this very passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, begins by telling us who we are. As believers in Jesus, we are, verse 12, God's chosen people. We are holy, set apart. We are dearly loved by Him. In Christ, we have received a new status, a new identity that compels us, propels us to, to begin to imitate the character of God. The Bible is clear that those who who know Christ, those who follow Christ, have experienced a death, a spiritual death in, in this life. And, and this is a good death. This is a death to a former way of living, a former life that is all about us and our desires and our pursuits and our pride and, and embraces a new life, resurrected to a new life in and through Jesus Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Remember those words? Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Earlier I alluded to the fact. That as I transitioned to the role of pastor here. That I began to expand my wardrobe slightly. And if you watch much TV at all, then you have seen many advertisements from a clothing company called Joseph A. Bank. And Joseph Bank, in my opinion, is sort of a high-end men's clothing uh, company. And it just so happened that about that same time, they were running their sale of all sales. And you know this, they periodically have these sales and they're all over television and perhaps you get mail outs in the mail and you see these things from place to place but they were running their mega sale not buy one get one not a bogo sale not even buy one get two this was their buy one get three free sale I don't know what that says about the regular retail price on things but for someone who could use four new suits at the time that sounded like a good deal In fact, it was a good deal. I still stand beside that deal. But we like a good deal, do we not? But the greatest deal that has ever been extended to us has been extended to us from God. That God extends salvation freely by grace through faith in His Son to whosoever will come to Him. Not a buy one, get more. But a buy nothing, get life. Pay nothing, get salvation. Pay nothing, get a relationship with the Almighty God. And once we turn to to God through Christ for salvation, He begins to do an incredible work in, in our lives. Just like a plant that Remains dormant in the winter, springs to life as the seasons change. Those of us who were dead in our sins have been brought to life in and through Jesus Christ. And just as a tree bears fruit throughout the year, God's word says that those who know and follow Jesus Christ bear fruit as they walk with Him. Because God transforms His people. By causing us, leading us, changing us to reflect Jesus in in all things. So what does it look like to reflect Jesus in all things? What does it look like to imitate Jesus? What does it look like to imitate the character of God? Well, it looks like Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It looks like clothing yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It looks like bearing with each other, verse 13, and forgiving one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. That's almost humorous, is it not? Us as people to have a grievance against someone else. If you have a grievance against someone, God says, forgive them as I have forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what it looks like to imitate the character of God. That's what it looks like to... Display before the world who God is. Because that's exactly what is being communicated right here in verses 12-14. These are characteristics that reflect God. This is what God is like. This is how God has dealt with us. This is how God has operated in history. In fact, in Exodus chapter 34, we read about God revealing who He is. Reveals his character. He reveals who he is to Moses. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, we read And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, his personal name, identifying who he is. And then he describes himself the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the fourth, third and fourth generation. In other words, God is a God of, of mercy and He's a God of judgment. But time and time again in His Word, His mercy overshadows His judgment. And this very description of God revealing who He is, revealing His character, shows up time and time again in, in the Old Testament. Remember, Remember Jonah? I know a number of you looked at Jonah in Sunday school this morning. Remember remember Jonah and why he didn't want to go to Nineveh? Why he didn't want to go preach to those wicked Ninevites? He didn't want to go because he knew what God was like. He knew that God was a compassionate God, a gracious God, a patient God, a God who forgives when people repent of their sins. He knew that God was more compassionate than he was. And he didn't want those wicked Ninevites to experience the passion of the almighty God, the forgiveness of of God, the sovereign God of the universe, the one who created all things, came to us, born as a baby, the one who walked on water, Jesus Christ comforted the little children, Jesus, who multiplied bread and fish to feed thousands, lived as a poor man. Though he was abandoned in his darkest hour by his closest friends and followers, he showed back up among them days later proclaiming peace to them. Folks, this is the God that we worship. This is the God that we gather in the name of this morning. And this is the God whose character we as His people are called to imitate. If you want to be, to be faithful to God, then reflect on the character of God. Reflect on who He is. Search, search His word for who He has made us to be. Who He has created us to be. Recreated us to be as His people. And, and reflect on who He is and how He has dealt with us. Remember that great hymn that we sing? That verse that says, Though Satan should buffet, Though trials should come, Let this blessed assurance control That Christ has regarded my helpless estate And shed His own blood for my soul. Folks, this is... This is the God that we gather together to worship week after week. A God who has regarded us not as we deserve, but has treated us with extraordinary kindness and mercy. A God who is compassionate and forgiving, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And as we reflect on who He is, then we as His people are called to demonstrate His character in our relationships. To search the Scriptures for your new identity. Reflect on the character of God and then demonstrate God's character In relationships. Notice these descriptions here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and following. We're to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, forgiveness, and love. These are all characteristics that must be displayed in in relationships. These are not qualities that we can practice on our own. God does not call us to live. As loners, he doesn't call us to live a solitary life. He calls us to live in community with, with others. He calls us together to to be part of His church. And to practice these characteristics with one another. A pastor friend of mine tells a story of a vacation that he took as a child to the beach. He remembers going with his family and he remembers walking along the beach and finding a piece of broken glass in the sand. So he carefully reached down and he picked up that piece of broken glass and he took it to his father, expecting his father to take it and throw it in the garbage. But instead, his father picked it up and immediately threw it out in the ocean water just as far as he could. And the child was alarmed by this. He was shocked by this. He couldn't believe this. He he just knew that if he would have done the same thing, that he would have been in trouble. And then his father turned to him and he said, Son, by the time that piece of glass gets back to the sand on the beach, it will be totally transformed. Because the ocean waves will brush over it and knock it against the sand on the bottom of the ocean floor, smoothing out its rough edges. And he goes on to say that this is, this is what God desires for the, the people of God in the community of God in the church. As the Spirit of God works in our lives to transform us. And as we brush up against fellow followers of Jesus. We will be transformed more and more into the likeness of the one who's called us together. Causing us to be more and more like him. Folks, we are called to know and to follow Jesus Christ by imitating the character of God. And we are also called to imitate God by participating in a Christ-centered Life. God's beloved people are called to imitate the character of God, and God's beloved people are called to Christ centered living. Look back at Colossians 3, picking up in in verse 15. There we read, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I believe that these three verses are descriptive of a Christ-centered life. Descriptive of a life that is centered in Jesus. If you want to reflect Jesus in all things, then firstly receive the peace that that He offers. Receive the peace of Christ. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, that's the church, you were called to peace. And according to Scripture, according to Ephesians chapter 2, this peace that Christ offers us is twofold. Firstly, it's vertical peace. It's It's peace with God through Christ. Because Jesus paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be restored into right relationship with God. So that we could have abundant life, So that we could be forgiven. So that we could live forever with the Almighty God. But this peace that Christ offers us is not only vertical peace. This peace is also horizontal peace. For Jews and Gentiles who... Were formerly enemies of each other, despising each other, acting with hostility toward each other. According to Ephesians chapter two, have have been united in Christ. They are fellow citizens of God's kingdom and members of His household, brothers and sisters in Christ. Church, according to the Word of God, the kingdom of God will be filled with people representing all races and all ethnicities, all languages. And all tribes, God is the God of the nations who extends horizontal peace to us in and through Jesus Christ. Let me take a moment to encourage, encourage you, in fact, to urge you as a church. Let me encourage you next Sunday night, mark your calendars and, and be here next Sunday night as we gather together in a time of Christian worship and fellowship with our brothers and sisters from First Baptist Church of Asipco. There's something special when a predominantly Caucasian church comes together with a predominantly African American church in a place that has a history of racial tension and together experiences the oneness that we have in and through Jesus Christ. And as we fellowship together, as we worship the same God together, we get a small taste of of what we will be doing for all of eternity with the people of God past, present, and future all over the world. Together in the presence of the Almighty God. Receive the peace of Christ. Christ-centered living is also marked by, by gratitude. So as people who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who have received salvation in Christ. Let's receive the peace of Christ. And let's express thanks to God. Let's express thanks to God. Verses 15 16 and 17, three different times, once in every verse, there is an admonition for us to give thanks to God, to express gratitude to God for what He has done and what He is doing for us. Elsewhere in Scripture, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul states it this way Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Folks, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people who have been transformed to reflect Jesus in all things, we ought to be people of gratitude. For a Christian can, cannot remain ungrateful for very long if our eyes are indeed on On Jesus Christ. Let's receive the peace of Christ. Let's express thanks to God. And thirdly, let's speak the message of Christ. Speak the message of Christ. Look back at verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Speak the message of Christ. The message of Christ is the message of the gospel. It's a message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. It is the words and the story of Jesus as recorded in the scripture. We're going to be speaking this with others. If we know this truth, if we've experienced this truth, if we know this message, then it becomes natural for us to want to share this message with others. But according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, we're not only to speak. This message through conversation. We certainly are called to do that, but we are also called to sing about it as well. That God has given us the gift of music as an instrument, pun intended, for us to enjoy fellowship with one another and express praise to God. So not only are we to speak the message of Christ, we are to sing songs about Christ together. That's a command from Scripture that we are to sing songs about Christ together. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I don't think, this, I don't think there's meant to be a rigid distinction here between these different types of of songs that Paul lists. Psalms, of course, that's the book of Psalms. It's a prayer book and a hymn book of the church, of the people of God. The Psalms, the hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I think this is emphasizing the variety of songs that have been written about God. And it really doesn't doesn't matter if the songs we sing are old or new, or they're loud or soft, or they're fast or slow, or whether they're accompanied by a piano or a guitar or an organ or a trumpet, what matters is if they convey truths about God. Whether or not they express who He is. Folks, as His people, we are called to sing songs together as a church about the One that we worship, about the One that we serve. In fact, I would go so far as to say that for, for people who know Jesus Christ, corporate worship Ought to be a high point of the week. When we miss corporate worship, when we miss worshiping with the body of Christ, we ought to feel as if we've missed something significant, as if we've missed something important. And this is not because worship exists to entertain us, it doesn't exist for us in that way. We live in a narcissistic culture that is starved for entertainment. But God never intended worship to be entertainment for us. Rather, those who lead us in worship, worship leaders are the prompters. And together as the church, we are the actors and God is the audience. He is the one that we are to praise. He is the one we are to exalt. And over and over in the Psalms, the people of God are are called to worship God together. To sing to God together. Psalm 95 is one example of that truth. Psalm 95 verses 1 and 2 reads this way. Come. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. And extol him with music and with song. Church let's be followers of Jesus Christ. Who reflect Jesus by coming together to sing with one another about Christ. And finally... We're called here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, to represent Christ. To represent Christ. And all the way to look back at verse 17, and whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All that we say, And all that we do, doing this in the name of the Lord Jesus means doing it in a way that reflects who He is. It means doing it and saying things in a way that reflects the character of the one that we worship. We are called to represent Christ as His people and to represent Him well. So when we don't know what to say, when we don't know how to respond, when we don't know what to do, let's speak and let's act in ways that represent the God that we worship. For God desires... For us to be transformed as his people to reflect who he is in all things. God transforms his people to reflect Jesus in everything. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you that you have called us to be your people. Lord, that you have showed abundant mercy and grace by Providing a way of salvation for us, by forgiving us of our sins, not because we deserve it, but because, because you love us. And Father, even beyond that, you continually transform us as your people by your grace that we might be faithful and re- reflecting you in all places, in all times, in all circumstances for your glory. Father, help us, lead us to to be faithful followers of Jesus who reflect you in all things. Lord, who imitate your character in all things and who are living lives centered around our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's for, for your glory that we're gathered together this morning. And I pray that you would hear our praise now, that you would continue to lead us and be glorified in us, Lord, that you would continually transform us by the power of your Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen.